Welcome, folks, to the Red River Rising. I'm glad you decided to join us today. I'm Pastor Mike, along with author Rick Salcida. And Brother Rick and I have been talking about the book of Job here lately. And uh, today we're going to continue on in this. And I believe last time we left off, his friends had showed up on scene. Is that right, brother? That's right. So so get us started here. Where are we going to pick back up then? All right. So we pick up in Chapter 3. And after Job's friends show up, they just sit there and they kind of commiserate in silence with him for about a week. Mm-hmm. Um, they were so shocked, you know, they didn't even recognize him. They were so so shocked at his uh, the disposition he was in. Right. They were they were speechless. So for seven days, they just sat there with him. And finally, Job was the first one to speak. And in chapter three, verses one through three, uh, Job starts to speak. And essentially, he has a pity party. Right. So, um, but, you know, we can't judge him too harshly because I'll confess, I've gone into pity parties at far less things happening to, to me. That's right, man. <laughs> so. That's right. I like, I run out of gas. I can have a pity party. This, <laughs> this guy lost everything. But Yeah. So uh, verse 1 says, After this, Job opened his mouth and cursed the day of his birth. And Job spoke and said, May the day perish on which I was born, and the night in which it was said, a male child is conceived. And then um, he goes on to say in in verse 25, and this is one of the key verses to that book. This explains a lot of things. Mm -hmm. It says, For the thing I greatly feared has come upon me, and what I dreaded has happened to me. Yeah. So we talked earlier that Job worried a lot, and he feared, and that's what, you know, fear is the opposite of faith. You know, so if you have confidence in God and his protection around you, it's there. Yeah. You know, if you believe in the opposite, it's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. You know, because Job's fear, uh, Ecclesiastes says, if you tear down a hedge, you'll get bitten by a serpent. Mm-hmm. You know, and Job's, by fearing, having that lack of faith, um, you know, his hedge of protection was down. And God simply pointed that out. God delights in truth, so he speaks truth even when he's talking to Satan. Right. And he simply pointed that out to Satan. Satan took it upon his own initiative. You know, he didn't have to. He's a free will being. Mm-hmm. You know, he didn't, even though Job's possessions were in Satan's hands and Job's health was in Satan's hands, mm-hmm. he didn't have to go smite him. Yeah. But, you know, that was the desire of his heart. He had set his heart on devouring Job. Yeah. Um, so that's. You know, verse 25, I think, just opens up a lot of understanding in the book of Job. So uh, at this point, Satan stole Job's possessions. He killed his children, and he destroyed his health in an attempt to devour him. And then on top of that, Job's wife berated him. Right. And um, and now his friends have come, and we're going to see in chapter 4 through 31, his friends came to comfort him, but instead they give him uh wrong advice yep you know because back then they you know they didn't know god they didn't have the the old testament new testament they didn't know god hadn't revealed himself to humanity the way he has at this point in time yeah you know so they had a wrong perception about god Mm -hmm. and that's going to play out in uh, chapters 4 through 31 and we've already seen a little bit of it so far um so you know they're going to falsely accuse him of wickedness and and then Job, knowing that he didn't do anything wrong, refutes their accusations. Mm-hmm. And Job gets to the point where he's so confused about what's going on that he he char- actually charges God with punishing him unjustly. Mm-hmm. You know, and at that point, Job speaks wrong about God. Right. Okay. But remember, James said that this is a book of compassion and mercy. Right. You know, it demonstrates God's compassion and mercy. So even when Job did speak out against God. Mm-hmm. 
God still didn't raise his hand against Job right. like Satan was trying to get him to do. Right. Um, and all, you know, like, I think it's in the, in the prophet Isaiah, it says, you know, God speaking to Israel and he says, come, let us reason together. That, I believe, is God's first step. Because right. we see it in the book of Job. God eventually shows up and confronts Job. Mm -hmm. So he's, in essence, he's saying, Job, come, let's reason together. Let's right. talk this out. Let's look at this, you know, rationally and logically. Right. And so, um, at this point, though, we're going to talk about Job's friends and how they accuse him. And so we'll cover some verses pertaining to that. Okay. And uh, Elipaz is the first one to speak. And in Job chapter 4, verse 7 through 9, he says, Consider now, who being innocent has ever perished? Where were the upright ever destroyed? As I have observed, those who plow evil and those who sow trouble reap it. At the breath of God they perish. At the blast of his anger they are no more. Now, Elipaz is expressing the belief that bad things only happen to bad people by the hand of, of God as punishment. Right. And that's what they believed back then. Sure. But we know because Jesus told his righteous followers or his virtuous followers, um, in this world you'll have tribulation. Yeah. Okay. He didn't say, you know, it's because you're wicked. It's just because we live in a fallen world. Yeah. Okay. So they didn't understand that back then. So they were convinced that the only reason Job had all this affliction was because he was living a secret wicked life. Right. Yeah. And they were trying to get him to confess that. Yeah. They thought it was God's justification, you know, for what he had been doing and yeah. uh, his lifestyle that he chose or what he's been, you know, sinning against God with. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is they didn't, you know, they didn't have an accusation to a specific accusation. They didn't have any evidence to back it up. You know, they're trying to get him to confess. Right. You know, yeah. so fortunate for Job, they didn't, you know, they weren't using torture yeah. <laughs> to try exact. Of course, I don't know how much more torture they could have done to the guy. I, yeah. You know, I mean, he's sitting there scraping boils with, yeah, he's you know, suffered shards, enough. So, yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, had they tortured him, you might have said, this is all you got. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Compared to what he just went through. Right. Um, but that's, you know, and, and a lot of times, you know, there's some truth in what these people are saying, mm -hmm. but it's kind of out of context. Right. Um, because, you know, it, you know, those who plow evil and those who sow trouble do reap it. That's right. Reaping and sowing is a true thing. But just because somebody's going through trouble doesn't mean it's because they planted bad seeds. Right. Oftentimes it's, it is, but it can also be an attack of the devil. Or it can also be, uh, you know, we just live in a fallen world. Well, you know, you got to remember and that 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 train of thought um, is is existent even in today because the devil likes that train of thought. He, he promotes that. But if you even think about the blind man when the disciples came to Jesus and said, you know, why is this man blind? Is it because of his parents' sin? You know that, mm -hmm. that he's blind. And even Jesus said, no, you know, this this would be done for the glory of God. You know, but right. My my point being that here we are thousands of years later, there's still the mindset that the punishment comes even for good people uh, or anyone just for that bad thing mm -hmm. as well. The same tr track of mind. You know, right. Mind. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, basically, you know, Jesus was saying bad things happen because we live in a fallen world. That's right. And, it, and God is working to correct that, and that brings glory to God. Yeah. And that's what he was there for. Right? Yeah. Give us that uh, new covenant with it. Yeah. yeah. And so, uh, Elipaz, you know, 
we're kind of doing an abbreviated version here, but he's going on and he's saying all this stuff about, you know, bad things are happening to you because you're wicked, confess, blah, blah, right. blah. And Job responds in chapter 6, verse 4, and he says, The arrows of the Almighty are in me. My spirit drinks in their poison. God ter- ter- God's terrors are marshaled against me. So, you know, at this point, Job still believes that it was God that afflicted him. Yeah. You know, but he's confused. He doesn't understand why. He agrees with the mindset of his friends that God punishes the wicked. You know, right. bad things happen to the wicked. Good things happen to the good. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's confused as to why all this bad stuff has happened to him. Right. As we talk about, God knows his standing because remember he even said that. Send not, you know what I mean, for Job. God knows Job as well. Mm-hmm. You know, we keep that in context. So if you're just joining now, go back to the beginning of Job and read that too, that, you know, God, God knows who Job is and what his heart and what his intentions were the whole time. Right, yeah. God knew that Job earnestly tried to please God. That's right. Yeah. And that's why Satan hated him so much. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, you know, God confronted, or Satan tried to manipulate God into striking Job Mm-hmm. And twice, you know, he tried it twice and twice God said, no, he yeah. hasn't done anything wrong. I'm not going to afflict him. Yeah. Um, but, you know, as we said before, that kind of gets lost in the translation yeah. and the modern day perception of the English language. So you get a, you know, you when you just read it and it's not explained in detail, you get the wrong perception of, of that conversation God had with well, Satan. You, just, you said the key word right there, perception. Mm-hmm. That's Joe's perception here of God. In this context, where right. he's perceiving God to be doing something that God is actually not doing, right? Right. So we need to be careful with that. That's a good lesson to learn too. It's that mm-hmm. perception is your opinion. Yeah. You know, it's not the actual factual details of the reality of the way things are. So. Yeah. And um, speaking of perception, a little rabbit hole here. Yeah. Yesterday, uh, I listened to a uh, YouTube video uh, where a preacher was talking about uh, Romans chapter fourteen. Mm-hmm. Not getting into arguments with people of a, a weaker faith because they might believe something different. Right. Um, and, you know, it's all based on perception. You know, one person may perceive that the earth is only 4,000 years old. Yeah. Another may perceive that the earth is billions of years old. Mm-hmm. But Romans 14 tells us not to, to argue over that. Yeah. You know, what counts is we're, we're all children of God. Right. You know, saved or not saved. Because whether you believe one way or the other doesn't impact salvation. Yeah. You know, it doesn't say believe on the Lord Jesus and that the earth was, you know, 4,000 years old yeah. and you'll be saved. It doesn't say that. You know, so we've got to distinguish between what's, you know, indisputable in the Bible and what we can have different perceptions about. Yeah. You know, things that are indisputable, you know, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not murder. You know, love the Lord your God. Sure. And him alone, you know, those things are indisputable. Okay. But whether, it, you know, how long it took creation, we don't know. The Bible doesn't really specifically say right. when you go back to the original Hebrew text. So there's rational arguments for both sides. So in that case, you know, let them believe what they want to believe, you know, focus on what we can agree on, right. you know. And so with the creation story, what can we agree on? God is, God mm-hmm. creates, mm-hmm. and that which he creates is good. So let's unite in that instead of bickering over, you know, how long it took. Well, if you know, the whole point of argument is what? To try to convince the other person that you're right and that they're wrong. Yeah, I think um, a pride issue. That's right. And so. maybe just uh, being zealous for God, yeah. you know. Well, but, you know, even Paul talked about, I didn't, I didn't come and talk to you with eloquent words, 
but through the power of the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit convicts anyway. Yeah. So our point is not to be able to argue somebody. Now we can lay out our, our point of view or our position. Right. Stance. Discuss it, you That's know, right. rationally, cordially, lovingly. That's right. But the moment it turns to, you know, um, something to where there's a conflict in, in, in that, uh, as far as, uh, jadedness or something else, we just need to withdraw from that. We're yeah. not there to convict them of right. anything. Yeah. I mean, really, we're there just to share, even, even in the gospel message. We don't need to, I'm a big believer. You can't beat people up with this, this work because you're trying to pound conviction into them, but that's not our job. Mm. That's not what we were told to do. Right. We're told to, to, to show, to love them, love your neighbor as yourself. It's the royal law. We love God first, then we love our neighbor, but then we're to share. We take the gospel out until we, we follow the great commission, but the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit is the one that convicts the heart, right? not us. Right. So if you find yourself discussing an issue with somebody and then you resort to accusations such as, well, you know, you're of the devil or right. you're a heretic, yeah. you know, or your belief is undermining the truth of God's word. Well, let's just, you uh, know, just go even as simple as belittling them. Yeah. Uh, you know, you, you must be stupid to believe that. You yeah. Know? You know, then we, we are... We're the ones, you know, we're being little in love. Yeah. You know, we might pat ourselves on the back that we're big in faith, but we're little in love. And we know what, you know, Corinthians 13 says about love. That's right. You know, and also without love, it doesn't matter how spiritually mature you are. Yeah, you you're just a noisy like, gong. Yeah, you're going to be banging brass or whatever, you know, sounding brass. You're going to be loud for nothing. But when you're talking about that and with other people, you said faith. You're not even big in faith then. You might be big in a knowledge, yeah. but if you had real faith, then you would have faith that God will convict them and deal with them in the mm -hmm. right timing that's right for them in their relationship right. walk, not yeah. for you. Yeah, we're, we're messengers. That's right. We're not sheriffs. And that's tough, especially within your own family or sometimes within your own household, right? Uh, you know, you have children or, or maybe your children have friends and, and, or even you have friends and family that come in. That you want to share the love of God to, you share the gospel to. But we get so easily, because we love them so much, mm -hmm. so easily tempted to just, man, I mean, almost to the lovingly berate mm -hmm. <laughs> them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And when, if we really trusted God, we would just plant seeds, let Apollos water, and right. let God give the growth. Right. And not worry about those things. Yeah, we can't, we can't pressure anyone. Yeah. To bow down to our will right. for their life. You're right. All we can do is share with them. That was a good rabbit hole. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get back here then to Job's right. response. So, okay. So we'll pick back up in ver chapter 6, verse 28 and 29. And Job says, Now therefore be pleased to look at me, for I would never lie to your face. Yield now. Let there be no injustice. Yes, concede. My righteousness still stands. So Job's pleading with his friends. He's saying, look, I'm looking you straight in the eye and I'm telling you the truth, you know, um, and don't do any injustice on your part. I, I need you to concede that I am telling the truth. I didn't do anything wrong is, is kind of high, um, kind of uh, changing up the word. So it makes a little more sense in right, modern English. Right, right. Um, so Job is maintaining his innocence here still. So in the, in the first uh verse we read job is saying god has attacked me in the second verse he's saying but i'm innocent so i, I don't understand what's going on you know and then in chapter 7 verse 20 it says have i sinned what have i done to you O watcher of men why have you set me as your target so that i am a burden to myself so again this again reiterates that job thinks god has done all this to him mm -hmm. 
And, you know, we can't be too harsh on him because, again, far less things have happened to me. And I'm like, why, God? That's right. Are you mad at me, God? What did I do, God? Yeah. (laughs) You know? Yeah. And he had less knowledge than we do. Right. As far as, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, Who God is. Yeah. Okay. So um, next we move into Bildad speaking. But if you want to hear that part of the conversation, you'll have to join us next time because that's all we got for today. (laughs) Sounds good. Until then, uh, prepare your heart for the coming revival. Amen. Amen.